You're listening to the Pretty Ambitious Podcast with Melissa Murciano, a podcast with successful women sharing their journeys and redefining success along the way. We all have value to bring, from the goal-driven career woman to the impactful stay-at-home mom. Their stories will empower you and give you the push that you need to succeed in the areas that are important to you. So listen along and be inspired as we celebrate and learn from each other. Sure, it's pretty ambitious, but let's do this together. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to my childhood friend, Monique Gambino. We're going to be talking about her journey into motherhood, um, but I will preface this conversation with a trigger warning. We will be discussing loss of a child, miscarriage, and infertility. If these are some things that may be triggering for you, you may want to skip this episode. But the point of the episode is to shed light on what a lot of women are facing. So in no way do I want anyone to think that this is a shameful topic because it's more common than you may think. Hey, Monique, thanks for coming on. Hi, Melissa. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Uh, So yes, Melissa and I grew up together. (laughs) So we're friends from, we're teenagers. uh, And uh, I have two kids. I have two kids, Ethan and Avery. Um, They're two and four right now. Um, I've been married to my husband, Matthew, for 11 years. Um, And so, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It seems like it was. No, some some days it seems like 11 years and other days you're like, it's been like two. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we, we, and we live in Pennsylvania, uh, moved from New York uh, about eight years ago. So it's been a good move. It's been a good move. But between between our our move and and now there's been a a lot has happened. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of good and a lot of tough. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Monique, take me back. Um, so you and your husband get married. Now your husband, I went to school with him. So this is yeah, cool. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, you get married and you decide that you want to start having children. So take me from there. Yeah. So it's like uh, about, about two, we got married in 2010, 2011. We're like, okay, you know, let's just see. So it's not really you know, people get weird with the word try <laughs> sometimes, right? Yeah, so it's that's like true. The word try, it's like, oh, well, like you're trying to force something to happen, right? Um, when, you know, society says it's just natural. Um, right. So we, we were like, we'll just allow, we'll just see, we'll stop birth control. <laughs> so, and so we're like, we'll see. Um, and that was like 2011. So it was a whole, almost a whole year. Um, and we're like, okay, you know, there's nothing happening here. Like, no pregnancy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get to the end of 2012 and uh, it's like, no, it's like November. And, you know, we're like, oh, we're pregnant. We fa- we're, we're pregnant. Oh my goodness. We're going to have a baby and you're excited. And then you go for your, um, you know, you go for your tests and everything and all of your numbers are low. And so mm. um, anyone in this, anyone who's familiar with monitoring related to like miscarriage, like, you know, you're usually you, you go and you get your um, hormone levels checked and they're like, you know, this is, this is low for this time. And most likely that's not going to, um, it's, it's not going to last. And so, so they say that right then they said it right then they said it at right. Like it was, it was maybe, I think two weeks, it was like, two weeks after. So probably I was about like two months pregnant. Wow. Um, and so it was like two weeks after we found out, we kind of waited, you know, and went and they're like, yeah, this is lower than it should be for two months. 
Um, and so you're like, okay. And so um, that's, that hurts a lot because you waited already a year, right? And you, yeah. and you, you think this is, I mean, you hear of everyone just seeing like, oh, we started and look, it's three months later. Yeah. And so it's been like a year and you're like, and it's the first time you, you actually see the positive and you're on that stick you pee on. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then it's, and then it's, well, this is most likely not going to last. And then, uh, and it doesn't, you know, then, you, you know, you do experience a loss. You do experience a loss. And so my, so for this miscarriage, I, I experienced it at home, you know. Did and you tell like, anybody that you were pregnant at this point? I told, I did. I told like close friends. Mm. Like I told close friends. I told Diana. Mm. <laughs> um, so I did tell like close friends and friend and family, like close friends and family. Um, but I didn't tell anyone else. So people I went to work with or people, even in my small group, um, like our church small groups mm-hmm. didn't, didn't know about it, you know? Um, so I kept it very like close to me, even though it was so hurtful and painful. Yeah. Um, and so in that, and that was like, so they know, didn't know about the pregnancy or they didn't know about the miscarriage I or, I mean, they, they didn't know about, they didn't anything. know about anything. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of kept it to myself because I, I, first of all, I knew because it took that long. Yeah. It could be a problem. You know, you're like, okay, there could be a problem but you're still hopeful. Like there's something in me, in me that was like, I'm still hopeful, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and then, it, and then it, and, and it doesn't like work out. And it was like, so devastating. I was so like, um, you know, upset about it. And, um, you know, just cry a lot of, a lot of tears. Um, and then that's when, um, reproductive, like medicine became more, became something that we, pr- we tried to pursue to figure out what was going on. So you, you were right, like on it right after that, straight to the doctors trying to figure out answers. Yeah. So trying to figure out like, Hey, what's going on? Why is this a problem? This is because they, they, doctors will say that after a certain time, you should kind of go and have things eliminated. So I did find out that I, I had, I had a block fallopian tube. Oh, okay. So they did a procedure and they, they found that I had a block fallopian tube. Um, so there was like less, so even if I was ovulating, ovulating, there was like like half of the year really was in there. Yeah. (laughs) If you're ovulating. Um, so there was, there was like half the chance now of even conceiving. (laughs) So, or maybe not half, it depends on how your body works, but that was definitely like one factor. Um, Is that test really invasive? No, it's outpatient. Oh, it's like a, it's like a dye test. And so they, um, they insert a dye, you know, um, and it goes through your fallopian tube and you're able to see it through like an x-ray. Okay. Um, whether or not it comes out on the other side. Okay. And so one side of my, one side for me is blocked and, and there's nothing you can do. You don't know that until you actually have, yeah. there's, you know, you, and, there, and it's nothing that you do that makes it happen. It's just kind of a, a way that your body develops and you don't know about it until you're trying to have kids. <laughs> so right. It's one of those things you're like, oh, would never have known, and nor does it affect you uh, or any way. You know, you mm. don't feel sick or anything, but yeah. it, does, it does affect um, reproduction. So we found that out um, right, like right from the beginning. It's like, okay, that's that's one thing. <laughs> so, did you feel like comforted? Like, all right, at least we found the answer. This is gonna be I it. I did, and you know what? It's really interesting. So I found that out, and I actually felt 
hopeful because yeah. my, my, my prayer, and this is my prayer. This was my prayer, Melissa. I said, you know what? I said, God, I said, that's okay. I know now that you even can do a bigger miracle. <laughs> it was so yeah. like, hopeful. I yeah. said, you know what? The doctor said this, but you know what? Who cares? I don't, I only need one flow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I was, that was early on, right? <laughs> so early on, I was so like optimistic, like still, even with the one loss, I was like, you know what? It's okay. One, one fallopian tube, we, we're, we, we can still, you know, God can still do this and we're good, you know? Um, yeah. And then we start to like move on in the year. Um, we start to move on in the year and then I, and then I, um, they try, like, we tried Clomid to actually get me to ovulate. So that was another factor. Now I also had what is a- that? Oh, I had a, so I had a, a one block fallopian tube uh-huh. and they also um, didn't ovulate regularly. Oh. So how most women ovulate monthly. Yeah. Uh, even though I had a period, I didn't actually wasn't ovulating. Mm. So that's a fact. Now I have two factors. <laughs> so, so like it came down to really me by myself being, um, what you would call like fertile, I guess, like twice a year, <laughs> twice a year, where most women are like 12 times a year, maybe. I don't know. I just assume in my mind that most women are probably every time that they um, yeah. monthly. My, mine was like twice a year. And you wouldn't know that? Uh, well, no, I, nope. How? Okay. So the way you know this is because, um, and when you go to a reproductive uh, specialist, mm-hmm. um, you are monitored closely. So they're able through blood tests to monitor your hormone levels and they're able to, uh, and they also um, go in with an intrauterine um, like camera, like kind of like an ultrasound, right? They do an ultrasound and they can actually look and see where follicles are growing and things like that. So they, they would do both. They kind of can look and see, you know, using blood tests to see ovulation and spikes in numbers. And then sometimes ultrasound as well of your uterus and things like that to see where you are in ovulation. And so through that, they're like, you didn't ovulate this month. You didn't ovulate this month. You oh, naturally wow. didn't ovulate this month. And so, you know, and, and those, and those they're called, it's called uh, anyone who's familiar with um, re- reproductive medicine, it's called morning monitoring. So you wake up at like six in the morning. <laughs> and you go to this place, like, you know, you go to the office and they, and there are lots of women in there who are in your same situation at six in the morning in the dark, you know, but I'm um, confused because you, they send you to the reproduction, reproductive specialist. office specialist right after, just after your first loss. Um, or is this something that you took upon I yourself? Asked, so, so I, um, I both. So I okay. went to a doctor and they were, I went to a regular, I was at a regular GYN and they said, Hey, it's been a year. And okay. I think it was like, I don't know what 30, like thirties. They're like, you're not old yet. <laughs> right. Isn't that funny? Like yeah. with having kids, they're like, Oh, you're not old yet, but you're old in two years. <laughs> so it was like almost 30, I think. And, and they were like, you know, you're not old okay. yet. And so they send you, so they send you out of, out of, uh, just saying, Hey, it's been this long. Okay. And, and, um, you had a loss, let's see what's going on. And so within this year, like two, 2012, 2000, between 2012, like December and all of 2013, um, I kind of, and having all this done, 
you know, I'm having all these tests done. Um, we tried, uh, we, I'm having all this morning monitoring done. So they're actually monitoring my ovulation and they're wow. noticing I'm not ovulating. And so we get to like 2013, like July and they're like, Hey, let's, um, we're going to recommend Clomid. And so Clomid is a medicine, very common. You can get it like a, a doctor. I think even a GYN can, can prescribe it, oh, but okay. it, it causes you to ovulate. So it, it, it causes you to ovulate. Um, but it also can create cysts. <laughs> um, so that happened to me instead. <laughs> no, I know. Yes, girl. Yes. So that happened to me instead, instead of actually, you know, producing, um, you know, eggs and, you know, whatever yeah. you do, I'm, I'm probably like butchering all the medical terms, but you know, like instead of doing what it, and that's, and that's a possibility. If it doesn't work, it actually can cause cysts oh, because great. it's a hormone that's causing you to try to ovulate. And, um, and so anyway, that didn't work. So that's a, that's like the first easy fix that works for a lot of women. That's okay. like the simplest, like that's like a gateway into ovulation is okay. We'll prescribe some Clomid. It's like a pill. You can just, you know, whatever, a, a few pills you take and whatever. And yeah. then you, you try to like conceive. So that didn't work. Then, um, they said, you know, let's try in, um, it's called IUI. Okay. IUI is, um, interuterine insemination. Okay. So, I mean, basically it is, it's like, what, it's like what you think it is. It's like Turkey based basing, you know, in the doctor's office. <laughs> so they basically will inseminate you with your, with your, with your spouse's sperm. And so, but okay. that also takes like you having to take medicine for that. So you still have to like get injections to see if that would work. Right. Um, what is the difference between that and IVF? Oh, so IVF is literally taking your eggs mm-hmm. and the sperm and they, they doing it themselves. And then they put it in you. And then they put it, but they would only put it in you if it actually is, um, if it's, if it worked. Like if they, when they put it back in you, it's because the insemination process worked and it's growing like the embryo. I think it's like the, the egg and the sperm of like men and they're like growing. It's actually progressing. I think that's the difference. So yeah, we didn't do IVF. I think that was like our lot. That was our line. We were like, oh, we're not going to do that. But uh, so what exactly? Ha- yeah, go ahead. Interuterine insemination is basically, you know, um, you go into the, you go into, you're in the doctor's office your spouse gives a, a sperm sample basically. Mm-hmm. And, and it has to be within a certain time window. And then they inseminate that in like, oh, into, okay. Into the range. So oh, okay. there's, everything needs a certain amount of timing for, for this. Right. So they have to make you ovulate. So they have to give you a certain amount of medication, right? Like injections. So you have to inject yourself with a certain amount of hormones to cause ovulation and they test it to make sure you are ovulating, right? So they're like, okay, your body's ovulating. Then your spouse has to come in. They it's go time. It. Yeah, it's like they have to give their sample. Then we, the, the next day, we they, they in syringe inseminate it into you. And then you're just like, and then we'll wait four days and you come back or five days or whatever. Okay. And so that's kind of, that, that's kind of how that goes. Okay, um, thanks for that. Is, yeah, no, everything is tightly like, time so they cause you to they make sure you're um, ovulated 
the ovulating. They make sure they get it like right closest to the, <laughs> to the to up there as possible. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> they're like, everything's fine. Let's go. You know, <laughs> go time. Everyone just stand, stand back. Let everything happen. Go. You know? <laughs> I know. It's like, follow the yellow egg. You know? <laughs> follow, onward, go, you know. Um, so that, so oh, Matthew, go, 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 keep going. And, so, and then what that failed to, <laughs> so that okay. failed to, and so that was, that's devastating because it costs so much money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, even though IVF is way more expensive, but that's still like, but still, yeah, that's still a lot of, I mean, I think, you know, it's still like a thousand something dollars that you're spending for a process that may not work. Right. Um, and so, and in the reproductive world, that's like nothing. Yeah. Spending like $1,500 on, you know, like I was, and I was very fortunate that my, like my insurance company uh, covered much of like what I needed for, for med, like all the like um, medication and things. Like I didn't pay a lot out of pocket. They covered most of it, but many companies don't, you know, yeah. um, like you choose to. So, um, but, but anyway, so we, 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 that didn't work out. IUI didn't work out. And I kind of was like done at this point. I was just very like, it's just the, the, the testing, the, this, I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. We've had a loss. And so I kind of just stopped. I just stopped going. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go anymore. And that happens though. Like there's yeah. things where you're like, it's just been too much like disappointment. Mm-hmm. Every doctor's hand in this, you know, trying to figure out and not having really answers because they still don't really know why I'm losing. I was I lost, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very common. Doctors never really know why. Yeah. So, um, so we get to February 2014. Actually, no, February. We get to 2000. We get to 2014. Uh, to the, the end of 2013, 2014. 14, like that time. And I actually, um, get pregnant again. (laughs) So now this is, yeah, I get pregnant again. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is like awesome. Right. Um, it's like 2013, like you end, it's like December, 2000, like, um, like November, December, 2013. And I'm like, okay, well that's, that's awesome. And I go through all the monitoring. So I'm high risk because of this now, this process, I'm considered high risk. <laughs> okay. Well, I had to be monitored closely, even though I was pregnant. Mm. So they, mo- I was like literally brought in like every week. They monitored the pregnancy, um, and they were like, you know, it's going great. Um, I came in for six weeks, and there's a heartbeat, and they were like, this is awesome, like you know, and and I, I'm like, I'm not ready to leave yet. Like I really built built a relationship with the with my reproductive specialist. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, like so th- these are like these are like my these are like my bestie nurses, you know? <laughs> like yeah. you, when you're when you go through this process, they're not just doctors and nurses. They're like you're very intimately close to you. <laughs> yeah, I heard people say that that they will go through these process this process and then when they have to leave, they have they have like this feeling like, "No, don't go. Yeah. No, I didn't want to leave them. I tried to stay. I said, can I come one more time? And so I was like, um, I think I was like at the eight week mark and they were like, okay, well, eight eight weeks, you have to leave, you know? And they're like, the baby's doing great. You know, you have to go to a real doctor, (laughs) like a real GYN now. Yeah. Okay. So, 
I, I left, we're like excited. We're thinking about how we're going to like tell family, you know? Um, and I was like, don't, don't I don't want to say anything until three months, you know, you try yeah. to three months. And so, um, and like hearing the heartbeat is like the best thing in the world. And like to hear it, like I got to actually hear it three times because I went every week. Mm. So I got to hear it like a few times and I have all the ultrasound pictures. Like they actually give them to you. It's like awesome treatment when you go there. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so we get to um, like February ish and I'm like, you know, like I don't have like those, those, you know, the pregnancy symptoms. I'm like, what's going on with these pregnancy symptoms, right? I'm like, they're kind of not there. Should they still be there? Um, and I was telling my doctor, I was like, I kind of feel funny. Um, I bought one of those, you know, monitors to monitor the baby. Yeah. Yeah. So I bought one of those and I'm like, I can't find it. You know, you go crazy. Yeah. Like, it hurt me words, you know? So uh, the doctor's like, listen, we'll send you in to ease your like anxiety. Um, and you know, they sent, they sent us over, um, and they're like looking and they're like, okay, you know, it's still small, you know, the baby's still small. It's only, uh, only about three, three uh, months. Right. And then she said, let me go, let me do an ultrasound, like, you know, interuterine ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And so the nurse's face just changed. I saw her face just change. Mm-hmm. And I look over at like, I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? And she's like, well, um, the baby's just like measuring um, to like two weeks younger. And so I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, well, how come I don't hear anything? And she's like, well, I don't hear a heartbeat. And oh my God, Melissa. <laughs> oh my God. I, I remember that day, Melissa, like rocked my world <laughs> like my world Melissa I've been up, you've been through so much up to this point right this is yes and Matt was there too and we were just like okay and um you know the medical per- in the medical profession like you have to keep it like you you can't break down with the person who's breaking down like you know <laughs> I guess yeah. they, they're told not to and I'm sitting there and I didn't break down I was just, but my, my insides just, I, I would, I just, yeah. Um, and she's like, so what we're going to do is we'll set, we'll schedule a quick with your doctor. Um, maybe they can try again, but she says, I don't hear a heartbeat. And so we both drove in separate cars and I hit that. I was hitting that steering wheel so hard. I was, I was. Matt saw my face from the, he was in front of me driving and he looked back and he's like, I saw your face driving home. I was screaming so loud. I was so angry. I was angry at everything. I was angry at, I knew what that meant. You know, I knew, I knew what that meant. And it just was so devastating. I don't even know how I came home in the car. Um, and, I, and I went home that night and I started to bleed. Wow. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I went, I went home, I started to bleed and then it was painful so much so that I had to like, I was on the floor, like I walk. Whoa. Um, and I and that had to take me to the hospital that same night. Um, so I was in that like ER um, and it just, because it couldn't pass by it. Like, you know, it was at my, it, the miscarriage wasn't passing by itself, you know? So they kind of had to assist, you know, in that, but 
because it was so far along it was one well, I don't I don't know like everyone's different they just yeah. kind of like oh, there was okay. tissue that was probably harder to just kind of because you many people probably have a miscarriage at home like it's a could be like a period yeah. but this was I had to go to the hospital you know wow. and you know the doctors are like you know it's okay this is common this happens all the time you know this is the, the ER doctors, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, don't worry, don't, you know, it, yes, this is upsetting, but it'll be okay. You can just try again and not knowing your story, <laughs> you know? yeah. not knowing like the last year, you know, saying them saying that. Um, and that was the first time I actually had to like reach out to like my teammates and, you know, people I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to rely on them because I couldn't actually go into work, you know, yeah. um, all, all this time, I just kind of was like, okay, I can handle it. You know, I can handle it. And I couldn't even go into work the next day. And so I had to like reach out and be like, Hey, I'm in this, this is what's happening. I'm in the hospital. I'm having a miscarriage. Um, and, so and do they give you any, cause I know after you give birth, you know, you get your six weeks, do they do the same thing for a situation like that? No, no. And they might, I might not have asked, you yeah. know, um, they might, but I, I didn't, I didn't even ask about it. Um, I just kind of came back that next, I took the weekend. It happened on a Thursday. <gasps> Monique, a, that seems uh-huh. so fast. I know it happened on a Thursday night and I took Friday and went back Monday. <gasps> wow. I, and you know, and I think part of that is like, my coping that was that was yeah it was kind of like okay the get yourself together talk yeah together talk you need to get through this you need to be strong during the day you can come home and and ball in the corner you need to be strong during the day and you can ball in the corner at night you know Um, and so that's kind of how I was like okay get yourself together you know the talk to yourself yeah um so that so the second pregnant, the, the second mixage rocked my world so much that I needed, um, I needed therapy. <laughs> like it, it pushed me to therapy. Um, that's when I was like, I think I need a therapist. Like, and that was like, you, like, he noticed I was like spiraling. Just, it just, it just had me just like, uh, I feel like that the kind of loss that you have, like, um, when you have a miscarriage is like, a helplessness kind of pain, but also like a someone rips your insides out, inside out kind of pain too, you wow. know, because I feel like I've experienced like losing someone like, you know, I, I lost my parents as, as, as like a teenager, um, unfortunately. And it's a different kind of pain than, than losing like a child that you think will be here, you know? Mm. Um, and so I don't even know, you don't know what it is until you're in it but it's something you want to get rid of. I just wanted to like, take it off. Like, I just wanted to get rid of it. I wanted it to be out of my system and over with it. And I, it just didn't go away. (laughs) Like the sorrow didn't go away. Um, You know, so I, I went, I was in counseling. I went to counseling and um, and I just sat there many sessions and just cried. I'd spend a whole hour just in one session. I'm like, I just wasted a whole hour crying. <laughs> you know? Was it a grief counselor, like specialized um, in that? Well, or? She, she was uh, a marriage and family counselor. Okay. So she was a Christian marriage and family counselor. Okay. 
So she kind of um, dealt with a little bit of all of it, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, but specifically, I think I was seeking out someone who's going to be faith affirming. You know, um, I, I needed someone to pray with me at the end. <laughs> you know, yeah. I needed someone to bring it back to, okay, and we are going to trust in God still, you know, even though I couldn't at the moment. I was yeah. like, I can't trust. I don't even know what that means. What, what are we talking about? who <laughs> yeah you know I needed someone else to do it for me uh definitely at this time because I just couldn't even I was so angry at God I was so angry at everything I was angry I thought my body was my body was betraying me the thing you feel wow. like you can control you know your body is just like what is you're like what's going on with you <laughs> yeah you know? um I was angry at everything um and so I felt like I had to go to work and act like everything was fine and I come home and have to just like, you know, be depressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was thinking about it because I've never been through this, but I was just thinking how this could feel. And I was thinking, okay, I know how it is to lose somebody, right? Yeah. Like you were saying, like you lost your parents and other people know that person that has passed away. So you have that kind of yeah. bonding, like, okay, we are grieving about the same person that we know, but yeah. you as a mom, nobody else has that connection except for you. So, right. and it's like, almost like I would think that it would feel so lonely because no one has that same attachment, that same feeling. Right. Yeah. I, and I definitely, I mean, I felt I've, and I feel like Melissa, that's so true. Loneliness was such a, a huge feeling in addition to the anger. Um, yeah. I felt very much alone. Um, even though, you know, when I think about it, there were a, a lot of people who either in passing were like, oh, I experienced that. I know people who said it, but when I was going through it, I could remember, I couldn't remember anyone who was going through it. Yeah, it's <laughs> so distant. I mean? it, 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 it almost like your pain pushes, your pain isolates you, mm -hmm. you know? I felt so like alone and isolated, even though I was surrounded by church friends and family and like I was surrounded by people I felt so alone even with people around me mm. um and 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 you're right I think it's you're the only one who can really you're the only one mourning right the yeah in that way because no one else knows of it no one else knows like every time you went to those appointments and mm -hmm. saw heartbeats and things you know um and I think you also are mourning the the loss of like the hope what you were hoping for as well mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so it, I don't, it was a different kind of pain, uh, you know, in a very lonely, a very lonely place, even though I know other people were experiencing, I, okay. know, I knew other people were, but I felt like they weren't readily available to be like, I, you know, cause this topic, no one talks about it. Right. Yeah. And like, I, and now like, you know, 10 years later, I, I know of a lot of people who've experienced it, but it's something that's not talked about. I feel like, because there is a, there is a certain amount of shame that comes with it. I, I do. I did feel like my body is betraying me and it was, it was embarrassing and shameful. Right. Now, did anyone tell me that? No, no one told me that of course, but mm -hmm. there's this idea that it's supposed to be natural. And that year, I feel like the ideas and the expectations that we have, um, as far as no, you're, this is what your body does. You're taught how your body works. You do this, you do this. You, this you, happens. You this. Yeah. You do this and this, this, and that, and that's, a, that's what happens. That's how your body works. We learn it in sex ed. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's yeah. like that. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm broken. 
And then you turn I'm broken into I'm ashamed of my body, right? Mm. And so, and then you turn that shame into I can't tell anyone. And then because how, how broken I feel and how broken I am. And, you know, no one knows what pain I'm going to, you know, going through. And so. So even uh, though you knew other people in your life who had it, it still wasn't comforting to you at the moment when you're going through it. No, it, it didn't feel comforting because for some reason I couldn't even remember them. Like, yeah. I couldn't remember like my, the pain was, was too much. My brain wasn't even letting me think about, remember that person who told you that? Or remember that like my brain wasn't even letting me get there. All I was, wow. I was, I was surrounded by people who were pregnant. No, yeah. So, and you, and which is the, and I had friends who were like expecting this, literally we were, I have I had two friends who were expect three, actually three friends who were expecting the same year that I, that I was, oh. and we all had due dates around the same time. <laughs> and so I, I just, you know, I, I look back and I was so much hurting that I probably said things I shouldn't have said, you know, like, yeah. You know, in their joy, I was kind of like, okay, well, I just lost mine. Like, you know, I kind of said things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so like, that wasn't me talking. That was totally pain talking, you know, but I'm able to do that now. Um, But it wasn't me talking. It was like, it was just like my pain talking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's that's really honest. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, um, definitely a rough time and it makes the other person feel bad and awkward too you know they're like oh my gosh I don't want to share anything about this pregnancy with her now you know (laughs) I don't like friends were like I don't want to now I don't now I'm not going to say anything because I know that she's going through this pain here and you Um, probably hate that people are tiptoeing around you you know what I or in the moment you like you were fine with it I was really fine with it in the moment. I, I was one of those. I was, I was the person that was like, listen, let's have the elephant in the room and let's keep the elephant there. Mm. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so let's not, we all know, we all know what happened. We all know what you're going through. Let's not talk about it. I, Cause I didn't want to talk about it. I was very selective in who I wanted to talk about it with. I was very guarded with yeah. it because it was such a sensitive topic. It is. Um, it, it's such, it was so sensitive for me that I was super guarded at who I even talked to about it. Um, so I'm, I was okay with it being the elephant in the room. <laughs> I was like, let's just sit here and talk about the balloons outside or let's talk about the great weather. <laughs> yeah, it was too much. Yeah, it was too much for me. So I was okay with the tiptoeing. Um, I, I almost was like, um, you know, it was harder when people were unaware sometimes because then they assume that they're like, oh, what, when are you going to start having kids? You know, or when are you? And that's like, no, like people just kind of do that and they don't mean to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's me. That was me being sensitive at the time, you know, or like, for example, my, my church asked me one, um, they asked me one Mother's Day and they said, um, would you be able to pass out flowers to mothers for Mother's Day? Ugh. Um. I think it was actually, I feel like it was this year. I feel like it was literally two months after or four months, maybe after two or four months, four months after I just had a loss. No. Now, did they know about it? They didn't know about it. Right. Because I didn't say anything. Um, And, and they said, Hey, would you be able to volunteer to do that? And, And they said, we, we put you on the list to do that. And I accepted 
I accepted it, but because I said, well, if you need someone, that's fine. But if you find someone else, it's okay. And they're like, no, 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 that's what we want you to do. And I, it took everything in me, Melissa. Wow. To pass out Mother's Day flowers. And it's a good thing though. It's such a, it was such, I felt so conflict, so, so conflicted and a little convicted, right? Yeah. Because I'm honoring people who are mothers every day and go, like I'm honoring mothers, right? But little did anyone know that I'm a mother who is experiencing loss. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I did it and I did it through tears. I, I, wow. I, I cried inside and I. Most it. people would, would just be like, this is, this is my excuse. I have an excuse that I do not need to participate in this. So that. Yeah. That's wow, Monique. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's that wow because I it I, is. I kind of grit it. I was listen, I was digging my feet and like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to hand out flowers to moms. And you know, and 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 then, you know, I spoke to Miriam and I was like, you know, Miriam's like my mom. So yeah. I was like, you know, I was speaking to her about it. And she just really encouraged me to say, you know what? The, the Lord will use you through this to honor other moms, right? She's like, if you, if you do this, if you choose to do this. Yeah. And I, and I was like, of course I want to honor moms, you know? And I'm like, how do I do it while also holding this pain? You know, I don't know how to do this. How am I going to do this? And I did it and I cried and I did it, you know? And I look back and I get, and I'm glad I did it, you know? Um, but going through it, I was like, I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, the Lord, the Lord used it in whatever way he did. Right. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what those mothers were going through, or I don't know what those moms, right. you know, there's always another, we don't ever know how, even in our pain that we are blessings, you know? Um, yeah. and I, I will never know. Um, but I just trust that God used it. And, and that's, and that's that, that, but, um, man, there, there are a lot of times when those, ha- those, those things happen where people are unaware of your pain yeah. you in situations that trigger you and it brings up the pain again because they're unaware and mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't mean to because um, you can't tell everybody you're not going to tell everybody no and there's a certain amount of grace I had to learn to extend even though it was hard <laughs> you know yeah we don't know okay just you know and say god let that one slide <laughs> yeah and just you know you're just like okay no one knows and you yeah. just let it you let it be so um so yeah, so we so then eventually, you know, we get we kind of move on and like mm-hmm. in this journey, right? We move on and it's kind of like I've had a year of counseling and therapy, and I kind of pause with it, slow it up. Um, like and so the end of the year comes, like October almost, right? Mm-hmm. And I get pregnant again. <laughs> so no. yes, we're, we're we're gonna get pregnant again. Now this pregnancy, this pregnancy, um, I, I actually was like, so numb from all the loss and all the pain that I wasn't hopeful for this one, even if it was, even if it was, you know, going to work or not, I was like, all right, well, here we go again, you know, Um, and, and when I say that, it's like, we were allowing ourselves to get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. But then when I did see it was positive, I was like, I'm putting myself through, this again of being like it could work it could not work right yeah Um, and so literally this was October this is like an October 2014 I'm like okay you know this is the year after 
this is just this is just the okay. end of that year. The end of so that year. I had just had the second loss February 2014. Now this is another pregnancy, uh, October 2014. So just a few months, like a few months later, right? End of the end of, end of the year, kind of. And so th- this pregnancy, you know, it was another loss. So this one Ow. was another loss. Yeah. So this was another loss. Um, and then this one, this one, I, I had a miscarriage at home. So this one, I didn't have to go to the hospital. Uh, or anything. This was like a miscarriage at home. And this one didn't carry with it as much like trauma, right? I wasn't rushed to the hospital. It wasn't like I wasn't falling on the floor and, you know, in so much pain, but it, it almost was like, okay, it happened. Let's move. Like, I just kind of, this was like, this happens to me, you know, this is what happens to me kind of. Um, there was almost like, like an apathy that I was I was becoming apathetic towards this right you're like okay well this this is what happens I don't care I guess you know Mm -hmm. really I was still something in me was hopeful because we were allowing it right (laughs) we were trying to still say what you're saying we were allowing pregnancy to happen yeah then if we did we were just like okay what's gonna happen And, and then we got kind of like just discouraged and you know the testing so um so then we kind of like really pause. I think I went back on birth control actually for the next year. I was like, after that one, I was like, we're just going to stop. And so we kind of chose to like stop <laughs> for, for like the next one, 2015 kind of started. We were like, okay, we'll just stop for a little bit and then we'll go off again. So we get to 2015 and we're like, okay, you know, let's go ahead. We'll, 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 we'll stop again, stop birth control and we'll see again. Right. Uh, and then um, we get pregnant again and they're like, okay, baby's growing. We see like, you know, we're monitoring closely. We're going to have you come back for your six week so we can check for heartbeat, but there's no heartbeat. So they're like, okay, let's just wait one more week. And so (laughs) it's like, wow, week seven. And they're like, there's no heartbeat. And, um, they're, you know, they're like, okay, you know, so at this point, um, since your body doesn't, my numbers, my hormonal numbers, we're not showing that my body was going to miscarriage on itself, on its own. So um, they do something called a DNC procedure. Um, so DNC procedure basically means they go inside your uterus and they take out, um, they have to remove the pregnant, they have to remove the baby and the tissue surrounding. And is that, that's just... So that is a, that is actually, you have to be go under for that. So no, but is, is there a reasoning because you have too far along or is it just, there's again, so, so for the, the second pregnancy loss, um, they sent, um, it to the labs and they're able, like they, they were just to figure out if the chromosomes or anything was wrong with it. And it came back inconclusive. So they are able to send tissues for testing and things, but everything always came back inconclusive. So doctors are baffled by this, by this, because they're like, we don't know what, we don't know what to do here, right? They're like, this is your fourth loss, like your fourth, fourth um, pregnancy loss. We don't know what to do here. They're pushing me to, towards IVF. So they're like, our next step would just basically be IVF. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we're like, yeah, we're not going down that road. So we're just like, we're, we'll either eventually just say we're gonna like call it uh, call, call it and just stop altogether, or we'll just 
keep seeing because I think the hopeful part for us was that we we can we see that somehow God was allowing us to conceive right mm-hmm. just didn't understand what the losses were about and that was the confusing part and and then probably the most painful right um you're like God you're allowing my body to conceive right but then like what's all that's loss about what yeah. is, what is this all about and doctors don't know and and so um no one really knows. Right. Um, and so, you know, this, the, the fourth, the fourth loss that, you know, that was the first time I actually had to like go into a hospital and it was a procedure that actually had to happen to remove the pregnancy. And wow. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was the last, actually my last, um, pregnancy loss was the, was the, was in May, 2015. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever like think like, wow, I can't believe that I've been through all of that. Yes. Um, all the time, all the, I, 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 I look back. So I look back at my journals. Right. And I just see like, there are tears through many of, of those pages of these years. Right. I just see tears like on, on the ink, um, because I don't even know how I made it through these years. Um, you know, I just, I, I definitely, I mean, obviously it was God's grace, <laughs> God's grace and many people praying for me. Like that is the only thing because in my own strength, I was not, I was not making it. It was not, it was not working out for me. I mean, all of that, you know, I'm pretty like tough as far as like, I could, I could like get to work and make things happen. I'm, you know, I'm a teacher, so I know how to put on my like problem solve. Yeah. You know, you put on your professional hat and you do your professional work, but then you go home and you're just like having to wrestle with all of the emotions that go with the loss and that it never goes away. You know, it always feels a part, it always feels a part of you. Mm. Um, And you're just like, what do I do with all this? And there's nothing in my flesh that can help me, could Mm. help me through that. And so it's only by, you know, God's grace and those praying for me and lifting me up and supporting me that I was able to even make it through that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that this time, I mean, you know, Matthew, Matthew was uh, so, so good to me during this time. I mean, he, you know, he, he knew things were not right with me. He knew I was like experiencing depression. Um, Mm -hmm. And he would, I think he'd reach out to like other like husbands and say, Hey, how, you know, I remember him like saying he'd reach out to other husbands, you know, and say, Hey, like, have you ever experienced anything like this? Like, what do you do? What have you done for your wife? And what do you do? Like, what can I do to make this better for her? I mean, because yeah. he's going through his own amount of grief as well, right? Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you about. How is it, how is he handling it all? Because I know with women, yeah. we're more, you know, we talk about things more. So I can't even imagine. And, and just this topic, how we were talking about they say a lot of women don't even talk about it to their close friends or family. So I can't even imagine how guys deal with this. Yeah. I so mean, what, what kind of things helped him? Like you said, you, he reached out to friends. Yeah. I, he, he reached out to, he reached out to like um, friends, but not just, I, I think he reached out to hus- like friends who were like husbands who were, who could actually give counsel and advice. Mm. So not just like his, just any friend. Right. He, he intentionally reached out to husbands who um, you know, been married long enough that they've been able to experience, go through the ups and downs of like marriage and they were able to offer counsel um, mm. during times when they had, when they needed 
counsel as well, you know? With, yeah, because they've been through it. Mom, right. Or mm-hmm. even if it wasn't miscarriage, it was just like a tough time in their marriage. Mm. How did you support your wife? Like he, th- I think he was generally trying to figure out what, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you do? Like, you know? And if I would ask you, what do you think, like, what do you think a partner can do to help that person going through it? Like the spouse, what could they do for their spouse? Yeah, I think being, so yeah, being there is kind of big, I guess, when you see being there, being there for my, for, for me, Mm -hmm. um, letting me, letting me cry in the corner, you know, letting me, um, letting me go through like the process of healing, um, and not like questioning within reason, obviously, you know, (laughs) I wasn't harming myself, but you know, not questioning, like, why do you need to listen to that song 20 times? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me listen to that song 20 times, you know? Yeah. Um, or, or just being understanding if you don't want to be put into situations. Um, there were a lot of things I avoided, but that also, um, it affected him as well. You know, I didn't want to go to um, every family gathering. I didn't want to go to every Christmas meal. I didn't want to be around on Mother's Day, you know? Yeah. Um, and those are things that he might have wanted to be with family mm. for, but he sacrificed um and stayed home or just said, Hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep it in or you know, we'd intentionally travel on Christmas. Mm. We'd go we'd go on vacation, we'd vacation on holidays. But that's really me vacationing on holidays. I need I needed to vacation on holidays, but he just came along with me and was like, "Yep, that's what we're doing. We're going to vacation on holidays." You know? Yeah. Um, so he just came along, like with you know, with me as I went through my healing and mourning and healing and mourning over and over again, and understood that I, like, I just I couldn't I couldn't bear to do holidays many years. For many years, I just avoided holidays because I needed to avoid the conversations that I didn't want to either ball, you know, ball crying Mm -hmm. (laughs) at at a table and then make everyone else feel uncomfortable. Or I didn't want, I didn't want to be that vulnerable with people, even though they were family, I didn't want to be that vulnerable with them. Yeah. You know, um, I didn't, there are people you choose to be that vulnerable with and I wasn't choosing them. And Mm -hmm. so everyone needs to understand, like it was, it's not, personal it's just that you have people you choose to be that vulnerable with with your pain um yeah and explaining all that is difficult and so you need your you need your husband a lot of times to speak up for you mm-hmm. uh, and, and and not know and he, and know not to say everything right he didn't have to say everything yeah. but he knew to say enough to that they knew that hey we wish you all well we're gonna keep it in this year it's been a tough couple of months and let's just keep it at that um yeah so that I think that was that was so helpful like him just taking initiative to do that um you know just being there emotionally when I needed him and and me being there for him too I mean although looking back on this I don't know if I was any good at all like <laughs> I was like babe I don't think I was any good for you like I think I was just a hot mess for you I apologize I know like it's like you know it's like 10 years later here but <laughs> my bad I know I was horrible. <laughs> I didn't even listen. I didn't even offer you hugs many times. I was, <laughs> I was like, listen. <laughs> He's like, babe, it's okay. No, really. He's like, I get it. He's like, I was like, no, really. I literally pushed. You know, 
that's what pain sometimes does. You just don't even know about anyone else and that's going like anything else. Yeah. You are oblivious to, mm-hmm. um, because your wound seems so huge. You can't even see anyone else's, you know? Um, and, but I did recognize there were like at certain times, like his own grief, you know, and how mm-hmm. he had to process it himself. So, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely like having a spouse that's supportive and, and knowing how to speak up for you when you need it is, was super helpful. Looking back, is there anything that you think you could have done, um, not regarding the pregnancy, but how you could have taken care of yourself better? You know, I mean, or do you feel like you handled it the best way you, I, I do like, so now in retrospect, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do wish, I, I do wish I was not as shameful about it as I was. Okay. Um, I think, and you know, a lot of this, Melissa, I feel like I, the, the, the enemy will, will, will tell you lies that you believe it when you're the most vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, you know, at these times I was super vulnerable. And so a lot of things that were, um, just negative self-talk I was receiving and I shouldn't have. Right. Um, and so this is why it was so helpful to have people lifting me up and praying for me all the time. Like, you know, yeah. I just, because there was a lot of that I was believing the, the shame and the guilt and the, no one else would understand all of those were kind of lies, right. That, um, that sometimes society perpetuates, but also, you know, um, I believed them. I was like, I can't tell anyone. And so for me not doing that, I don't know if I either couldn't have um, been comforted by someone else going through the same thing right next to me, right? So I might've missed out on the opportunity to like be a friend in a way to someone else going through this at the same time, but also like be lifted up by someone who's passed it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think I knowing what I know now, kind of, I, yeah. I t- definitely would have opened up more about it. Um, I think I'm, I, I tend to just be a guarded person, you know? So there are people that I just tend not to be vulnerable with. Right. You know? So I think the guarded part of me of being like, Hey, this is a vulnerable place in my, in my heart, in my life. And I'm not gonna, I, I will choose not to talk about it with you. It, there, there are people I, I, I do that with. Um, yeah. But I think generally, I think I would have been more open with the people I have interactions with on a day-to-day basis. Like there are people who literally I had interactions with every day who never knew. Wow. You know, because I kept it in my my box. I kept it in my box of like, this is something that's private and shameful. You should feel bad about it. Your body is betraying you and going against you. And it's a horrible thing. Wow. That's, I I believed all that so much. I, you know, I kept it in my box you know, what I think was so um, amazing is that even though you said that in the moment that you felt so dark, even though you said that you knew that you wanted somebody that um, was a faith-based, even though you couldn't do it yourself, you, you actually, you had enough knowledge to know, like, I'm going to put this person in my life because this is what I need, even though I can't do it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think that was good. Yeah. Yes. But it's so important. It was so important. <laughs> it was so important. Yeah. Still try to, because I know I, and you know, it's it's really tough. I feel like, especially as a believer, right? You're you're expected to be like, nope. Well, you trust God and move on. And it's not that simple, you know. As yeah. a Jesus following believer, it is not as simple as it, to put your grief up there and be like, okay, well, that's what it is. Let's 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 keep on moving on. Everything's fine when the door yeah. is 
behind closed doors. It, that's not reality. Exactly. You, know, you do, you do grieve. You do have pains. You do, you do need uh, each other to lift each. We all need that each other to lift each other up, right? Um, but you have to be like careful. Like some people, I feel like I'm guarded because their words could be hurtful as well. Mm. Like they, some people could mean to be encouraging, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And so that's also probably why I'm I've been guarded about it as well because I've been afraid of what people might say. Mm. And, then I, and then I'm, and then I might retaliate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might so you're just protecting them. <laughs> it's a pro- I'm protecting them. I'm protecting yourself. Yeah, I know. I'm just protecting everyone. But definitely I feel like I knew, I always, always knew I was like, Lord, I want your will, God. I want your will. I want w- w- your will be done. Right. But I didn't realize that God's will be done was going to be this painful road. <laughs> you know, When you're like, God, your will be done. You're like, really all of this pain was necessary is necessary for your will be you know yeah (laughs) and you and you come to see like you know the walk of following Jesus is going to be a a road with pain and joy you know there's going to be sunshine and rain you know (laughs) and so um but you but you never are ready for the rain and the sorrow and the pain like you really are ready for the joy (laughs) yeah you know the other stuff um and and so I feel like during this like these years right and and obviously this is really looking back this was a very much on the spiritual side for me it was like okay god I need to reevaluate where I'm centering centering this too like this became such a center so much that I'm like okay god I need to realize that this is not all of me right Mm -hmm. like this topic became everything in in me Mm. Like uh, this became me. This is me. This is all I am. I'm, I am infertility. I am miscarriage. And that's what I am. And that's not what, that's not who Jesus said I was, right? That's not who he says I am. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm his daughter. And I feel like I, it took me like this process, you know, these years of loss and this pain, right? The sorrow, it, it, it took me back to being like, no, this is who I really am, you know? Mm. And, and so through all of this yeah I mean we're human you know yeah um we're, we're human but it, it definitely pushes us to press into being like okay no this is who God says I am and so eventually you get past the you know like the I am all of the negative self-talk right yeah um and 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 then there's good that comes you know and then we, we end up getting pregnant with Ethan you know so it's, you know, in, in that, and that too, I was nervous. <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, you know, he's uh, almost a five-year-old now and it's. <laughs> so you have that? Ethan and then you have. Avery. Avery, who's yeah. two, he said. Yeah, she's two and he's four. Wow. Yeah. You know, what was interesting is that when Diana's, when I put out Diana's episode on infertility, that's episode one. So if you haven't heard it, go Absolutely. check it out. I know. what. <laughs> but um, a lot of people have inboxed me, like they didn't put a message underneath it, but they put it in the inbox. So only I could see it. And they said like, Melissa, thanks for doing that because I'm, I'm going through this. I haven't really talked about it with a lot of people. That's what all the messages were saying. They weren't saying, you know, they weren't putting it so everybody else can see can see it but that just goes to show you how much shame is around this it is so I'm really happy that you um you know shared your story um is there any resources or um 
any books that you can recommend to anybody that's going through this? Yes, I do have some girl. You do? <laughs> I do. I have two books. Okay. So, okay. The first one, the first one is a, it's a, it's called every drunken cheerleader. Every drunken, I, it's called every drunken teenage, uh, every drunken cheerleader. And um, it's by Christine Ireland Waits. Okay. And I, I really, that book made me feel like I was, that was my friend. I really felt like Christine, Christine and I were friends when I was reading it. And the author writes it that way. She's like, if you're reading this, I am so sorry you're even experiencing this. Like she starts off like, like it's such a like, hey, that's my friend writing this to me. Nice. Um, and and she she's a believer, but she writes it real. Like, you know, it's not a lot. So that, that hmm. book is not a lot of like isn't like a, a, not a lot of scriptures and things. it really is her experience mm-hmm. her words of encouragement along this the road um of like um miscarriage and loss and infertility um so that's I thought that book I really really love that book because I it was the it felt like she was in the room with me when I was reading it and I was like I know right I was like reading pages like right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought that was a, I thought that was a good book. I did like that one. And then one that was very, very encouraging. This is more of like a, you're going to have way more like verses in scripture that's, you know, or in this one is Hannah's hope. It's a book called, it's called Hannah's hope, seeking God's heart in the midst of infertility, miscarriage and adoption loss. And that was by um, Jennifer. I want to say sock. Uh, Jennifer Sack. Okay. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and I, I did, I love that book too. So I read, those are two books I, I read and I really, um, I just really liked, so Hannah's Hope definitely brought you back to, you know, God's heart in the matter, right? Like what God's heart is through the struggle, through the, you know, and it always coming back to that, right? But it, it also, I like that the book doesn't dismiss the pain, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like I feel like, and, and, and I'm hesitant sometimes, like it's hard for me to like recommend a book, <laughs> like to fr- a friend, you know, sometimes because I'm like, oh my gosh, I knew how, I, like, I didn't like to be recommended books, but I like to like mm-hmm. look them up sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, but that was just me because I was just going, th- that was my pain. That's not everyone else. But <laughs> no, but I can understand that. Like, you don't really want to hear like, oh, do this, you know, and this is going to help. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. But I did, I, I found these books and they, I, I really liked them and they were super encouraging. Like one is like, one is a like, hey, that's my friend talking to me kind of read. And one definitely has more, um, has more like a God's word affirming you through it. You know, I thought that those were really helpful. Hannah's Hope um, and Every Drunken Cheerleader (laughs) is what it's called. Okay. Those are good books. I think we all know someone who's dealt with um, this type of loss. So what is the best way that we can be there for someone who has experienced the loss? Whether it be a phone call, a card, what do you think is like appropriate? I mean, well, it depends on the relationship. I think like, you know, words that are saying, hey, I'm so sorry. This sucks. Like almost like, you know, yeah. like let's just acknowledge this is a horrible situation. And I hate that you're going through this. I think those are night. Nice, those are, that's kind of what you want to hear. Right. As yeah. opposed to like other like 
fixing kind of words, <laughs> you know. Um, I think a lot of times when you experience loss, um, in this kind of loss, right? You want you want someone to just acknowledge that it that the pain exists, like the pain is real and that it's horrible, and that you're sorry that they're even going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that's that that that's what I found um, helpful going through this. You know, um, when people are like, "Hey, I'm sorry you're even going through this," you know, there's not because there's nothing anyone can do about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing anyone can do about it. Um, doctors can't do anything, you know, the, depending on the relationship, you know, you can sit with, and cry with someone, but there's nothing anyone can really do. It kind of takes time and, um, and, and, and time will heal, you know. Although we know sometimes people mean well, but what are some things not to say to someone who has experienced a loss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard a lot of things you should not say. <laughs> yeah, I guess this could be <laughs> like you know you can just try again Mm -hmm. that's a that's a that's um not encouraged that's not an encouraging thing to say to someone experiencing miscarriage um you know something bad was most likely going to happen anyway oh yeah you don't see that yeah you know I've heard Um, that yeah something bad was going to most likely happen anyway it just happened earlier that's a don't say that um you know don't and and I feel like although I think some people try to and this is a I think doctors do this a lot of times I feel like they try to throw out um statistics and stuff you know and they have statistics have their time right um but it almost simplifies your pain when you say hey you know three in three in every 10 people have miscarriages like whatever you know yeah (laughs) I feel like if you're a friend, um, a, let a doctor say that because they're supposed to, right? Um, they're supposed to make it seem like it's very commonplace to have miscarriages, right? That's what they do. Um, which in and of itself is very, it, it minimizes the what you're going through a lot of times, but they're trying to make it just like, no, it's just what happens. Um, a friend should never do that. A friend should never say, you know what? Every, every, you know, three out of 10 women, I don't know if that's correct though, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't, you should avoid like statistics. It's a good point. Um, you know, when you're talking to a friend, because most likely a friend who's going through this, they know all the statistics, right? I know all the numbers. I knew all of them. I knew all the numbers. I knew hormone numbers. I know this, I know it would number like you're an expert of it. If you're going through this, mm-hmm. um, this journey, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's the last thing you need for a friend to say, you know, this number. So next time is going to be this, you know, mm-hmm. those are, those are, those are things that um, kind of like stick out, stick out. To yeah. Me you kind of want to avoid saying that. Yeah. Now I'm happy you said that because sometimes people, they're going to hear this and they're going to say, wow, I said that because many years ago, I used to say to all of my friends, like, Oh, when are you going to have a baby? You know, even to like oh, my husband's yeah. friends, um, you know, their the husband would come over. I'm like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to join our team? You know, like, and, <laughs> you know, talking to Diana, hearing her story, it's made me aware of these things. So I'm happy that you mentioned those things because people do think that they're, yeah. you know, they mean well, but when you're going through it, it's can be really hurtful. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're right. Like people do mean, like people mean well when they say these things, like they're just trying to include you a lot of times and say, yeah. Hey, it's going to be great when you guys have kids, when you all have kids and when are you going to start? When are you going to start? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that can be tricky too to navigate if people are not sure if you want to have kids or not. Right. Some people don't, but some people do and you may not tell them or not and some couples are very honest they're like no we're trying you know yeah uh, you know and we, we we really weren't like that with everyone we we're just kind of like we knew we were trying we knew we were having issues we didn't really say anything to everyone yeah so but no that's a definitely like a good point um when you're in groups say hey when are you having a, a baby like mm-hmm. you, know, you might not know that person had four losses already exactly <laughs> you know? so yeah very good point yeah. Monique, thank you so much for coming on and of, sharing your story. Of course, girl. Of course. And it was so nice catching up. And I know that your story is really going to be comforting to somebody. So thank you. I hope so. I hope so. I want to thank everybody who listened to today's episode um, with Monique. I This was the first time that I had um, heard her entire story and just all of the sorrow that she had gone through before conceiving her two children sometimes you hear of people um who who have experienced loss but when you don't really just stop and really take in what that really can mean um you know just her saying how you know one loss after another after like i can't even imagine um you know what that does to you emotionally and not only emotionally but physically what her body had to go through several times so you know I just applaud her for her strength and um, for her sharing her story I know that she did want to give um, a message to those who are currently you know experiencing loss at this time so she said the following to those who are currently going through this know that your pain and sorrow will heal with time Surround yourself with those who will speak God's promises over your life, even when you can't speak them for yourself. Psalms 73:26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my proportion forever. This verse proved to be both humbling and empowering on my journey to motherhood. Although this season may cause you to question whether having a child will become part of your story, trust that God's plan and purpose goes far beyond what you can see today. So I hope I hope her words are comforting and I hope you um, enjoyed listening and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved today's show, be sure to screenshot it and share it on your social. Don't forget to tag at Pretty Ambitious Podcast on Instagram. We would love to hear from you.